vampires speaking of vampires i i do have audacity recording muppet is yelling at me so it we, we might i'm sure our listeners will not complain about some extra cat audio but god <laughs> muppet 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 chill chill oh god why is your paw wet <laughs> oh i see it's because you were dipping it in that water <laughs> god okay i have time dot is open you want to go at 20 yep muppet says yes let's go with muppet (laughs) i almost (laughs) missed the snaps (laughs) i was not expecting (laughs) what (laughs) You were not expecting Muppet? Yeah, I was not expecting Muppet. Muppet. What do you have to say for our lovely listeners? Nothing? Oh, okay. Muppet, please. Please stop causing chaos. I can only move you so many times. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, listeners, but season five has been delayed due to an intermittent cat attack. Uh, my, my cat Muppet is, uh, currently roaming (laughs) and screaming. Muppet, are you good? Are you going to take a nap? Where are you going? You just going to go over there and yell? You could just, like, put Muppet in a different room, right? Uh, I can't really, because the only other room we have that has a door, uh, that, like, closes is the bedroom, and that's where all the cat's food are. Well, food Uh. is, so we can't really close it, uh, otherwise the other cats can't get there. Fair enough. Put all the cats in it. (laughs) Just be like, you're all stuck in here until one of you learns to behave. I'm not going to put five cats in a room with my partner who has a migraine. <laughs> I Listen, think I'm, tr- all- I'm just trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. It's fine. She has quieted down now. I'm. <laughs> in fairness, the healing power of a pile of cats is undeniable. 
Oh, absolutely. Until they all start trying to kill each other. Because they're ridiculous. Fair. Okay, well, this is... This is a start to season five of this show. <laughs> Holy shit. I was... I'm, I mean, I know we've said this before, but it is astonishing to me that this show just kind of started with me going, hey, who wants to do a Bleach podcast at the Friends at the Table Discord? <laughs> and... We're here at, like, episode 48. We're almost to episode 50 of this fucking show. We're on season 5 of Bleach. It's over a year later. Things... Sam, how did we get here? The universe could never predict how absurd it is. This is true. This is true. Uh, I have made mistakes this week. Uh, I, I already told Sam this, but I got into Haikyuu. Those boys just really love volleyball. They really like the sports ball. They really love it. This is It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Senna. And I'm your co-host, Sam. I think we should just get right into it. What do you say, Sam? Yeah, let's just get right into it. So, our first episode this week is episode 92, which is titled Invasion of the Shinigami World Again. But personally, I, I like to go with the title, Kukaku Has Already Moved, because, you know, I, I feel like with all the episode titles with people, you know, moving, I feel like Kukaku, who has already moved, I, I feel like that should just be incorporated into the title, even though it has nothing to do with the episode until, like, the very end of it. It's fine. I also want to take a moment right before we start to mention that we were robbed, like we were absolutely 100% robbed. Because now that we're in Soul Society, there's basically no chance of us getting to see Hitsugaya or Byakuya in their incredibly fashionable gigai from the start, or of seeing said gigai having the, like, basic ditzy, goofy personality that we we see that all the standard Soul Pills have. We've been robbed. <laughs> I didn't think about this until now, but you're so right! Jesus Christ! Okay. Like... Now I want this, is the thing. Oh, Like, imagine Rukia turning a quarter, and there's her big bro, just like, kitted out, high fashion, and then he turns to her and he's like, The captain went that way! I'm going off to safety! Bye! <laughs> <laughs> I just want Piyakia in, like, a guy with, like, a really fancy button-up, like, you know, button-up shirt, and he goes, This single button... Cost three houses to make. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want him there. Hello, Ichigo. I want you to know that my my sleeve cuff, my shirt cuff, it's more expensive than all the houses in your neighborhood put together. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So, let's actually start this, and, you know, we open on the end of last episode, with the bounce arriving in Soul Society. Meanwhile, Captain Commander Yamamoto holds a meeting with the rest of the captains, telling them all to take position on second-class alert. He then goes further to state that Hitsugaya is responsible for the capture of all these new Ryoka, because, you know, they're Ryoka now. He also wants Hitsugaya to take care of the information that's surrounding, like, everything that's going on right now. He, like... My one thing here, and, like, I'm, I'm sure there's, like, 
a better thing than my brain was able to allow because I I did have the the fun thing last night of me uh, watching the Guilty Gear Exard storyline and then realizing it was seven p.m. and realizing I had Bleach to watch. Um, so that was that was a fun little scramble. But um, anyway, I think it's interesting that he mentions the leak here, but tells Hitsugaya to like, you know make sure everybody's well informed anyway yeah well like hitsugaya's squad squad 10 is in charge of communications yeah so he's like okay what's one i'm not telling everyone everything i'm telling you guys because there's a leak somewhere two communication squad make sure everyone is well aware of what they need to know and also don't put out like too much info because there's a leak somewhere and then he also says Oh, by the way, fucking kill them on site. Zero <laughs> hesitation. Murder them all. Yeah, it's it's like great. The denizens of the Rukan guy scramble as Karya and Koga touch down, and then we cut back to Hitsugaya, who's just walking with his squad mates, and he like asks them if any other squads have left already. Um, he's informed that Squad 2 Lieutenant Omaida has left with the team, and Squad 7's Lieutenant Iba has also left. Uh, Hitsugaya instructs them to keep gathering info and keep their ears open. We cut back to Karya and Koga, and Koga's just like, wow, it's really quiet here. And Karya's like, eh, it'll be loud soon, don't worry about it. And then Omida and Eva just, like, immediately show up, so I guess Karya was right. I do like the little detail of, like, oh yeah, the bounce all got split up, just like uh, Ichigo's squad got split up the first time they came around. Yeah, I like it too, um... My my one problem with this uh, is something that like comes later in the episode, but it's not. It's like a nitpick. It's not even like a real issue. Koga basically tells Karya like he'll deal with this alone. Uh, like it's a good chance for him to test his abilities, and Karya's like, you know what, you're right. And then Koga summons Dalk, and Karya just like very casually and nonchalantly walks away. And neither Omida nor Eva try to stop him, which is very funny to me. <laughs> but Koga just starts absorbing the reishi in the buildings, and he tells them not to look at him as a monster, because he's still human, just better than human. Omida sends out his men, and then everybody gets smacked by the ball attack. Like, literally everybody gets smacked by the ball attack sooner or later. Yeah, just Dalk is... Like, way stronger, and clearly she's just kicking everyone's ass here. Yeah, uh, like, it's very, very clear that, like, nobody knows what exactly they're fighting. Like, they don't know anything about the bounce, and that is just very, very clear. Karya comes back after telling Koga, yeah, you can handle this yourself. He comes back, and he just, like, picks up Iba and throws him through a building. And then he's like, how do you feel, Koga? And Koga's like, I'm great. And Karya's just like, alright, cool, let's go. And that's like the extent of this scene. Yeah, well, there was a bu- there was a point where uh, Iba did try to be like, okay, well, ov- the doll is, is beating the shit out of everyone, and it's also beating up Omaida, so I'm gonna take my sword, and I'm gonna slash this guy in half. And he tries, and Koga just like, without looking behind him, grabs the sword with the tip of his yeah. fingers and then, like, throws Iba to the side, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that that's why they can't just attack the Bount, because the Bount still kicks their ass. Yeah, I... 
Sam, I'm starting to think Udayu fucked up. Nah, it'll be fine. He wanted to be able to fight the Bound, and he couldn't do that in the real world. <laughs> I'm just really excited to get the whatever episode that Udayu fights someone, and then we can finally just go, yes, yes, reaping, uh, yes, yes, sowing. Oh no, I'm reaping! <laughs> God... Uh, Hitsugaya arrives on the scene a little too late, calling for help and investigating the scene when Matsumoto arrives. She apologizes for not stopping the bounce, but Hitsugaya tells her it's actually his responsibility since he's the one who, like, sent for her to be dispatched, and, like, he's her captain, yada yada yada, and she, like, respects this. She knows how hard it is to find the bounce, and that even now, only Iba and Omida's spiritual energy remains on the scene. We cut to Ichigo and Rukia, as they have just arrived in Soul Society, supposedly. Um, and they, like, make a comment on the pressure that they felt fighting, and they're also like, Well, we're back. And they note that they couldn't sense the bounce, basically. Like, they can sense the lieutenants, but just not the bounce. Liren ends up making, like, a fourth wall joke about the, like, camera shot we got making, you know, Ruka and Ichigo out to be lovers, which, I don't know, like, it was weird to get a fourth wall bit here, kinda. Liren's weird this episode. <laughs> Liren is really weird this episode. I do want to shout out just a little bit, um, I really appreciate that Hitsugaya's, like, immediately, hey, welcome back to the squad. Don't worry about, like, I don't care if you fucked up or not, but, like, don't worry about it. You're not going to get in trouble. That's my job. It's fine. Let's go. We've got work to do. Yeah, I, I really liked it, too. I really liked, uh, like, Matsumoto not arguing the point. Because, uh, like, there are a lot of shows where, like, you know, that kind of thing would get, like, uh, but it was my fault after all, blah, blah, blah. And I was you know, just, like, shows like, <laughs> shows like Bleach when Chad yeah. is talking. Yes, exactly. Shows like Bleach. Uh, who'd watch that? Um, but, like, you know, he says that, and she's just immediately like, right. And just, like, takes it, and I'm like, alright, cool. We don't need to linger on this. Like, we're lingering on it in the podcast right now. So it's, like, a whole bit with Lyrian, you know, making this, like, fourth wall joke. And then Chad Orihime and Uryu show up, and they're like, we got bad news! Kakaku's moved since we were last in Soul Society. Yoruichi has an idea of where she might be, though, which means we find her by nightfall, and this has, like, no bearing except to pad out the episode, like, very slightly. It's also weird because, like, yeah, we- they're like, okay, hey, Kukaku moved, and then- we get a couple of, of sentences about, like, how she moved, and Yoruichi's like, I might know where to find her. But, like, we don't know- why? And yeah. also, when we find her, she's like, man, it's weird. Every time she moves, she always changes the design, but she didn't do it this time. Oh, well. And <laughs> it's like, okay. Then it's almost like she didn't move at all in that case. <laughs> my my headcanon is that they got so caught up and distracted like after fighting all the like all the captains and you know like all the bounce that they just like forgot where Kukaku lived so they <laughs> they just like go to some random fucking like valley and they're like what the fuck where is she <laughs> she moved Yoroichi's just like 
yeah, I know where she is because she doesn't want to tell them that they were being dumbasses and looking at the wrong place. <laughs> this is a really good bit. You know, I take it back. This is brilliant writing. This is the best episode. You know, she's just like, I don't want to hurt their feelings on telling them they were looking west and we were we had to go east. She's so considerate. Thank you, Yorderichi. <laughs> oh. They like make a comment on her aesthetic taste not changing this time. Uh and Ichigo gets punched by Rukia for mentioning her drawings. And then they realize that Cone got lost when inside. Like like they they're about to go inside and they realize that Cone had gotten lost like somewhere on the trip and then they hear like a familiar voice in pain and then they cut to Cone who is like completely somewhere else like in Soul Society like he's just in the fucking Rukon district and he's just like walking through the streets and he tries to get help from some of the people of the Rukon district and when he greets him they're like basically certain that he's responsible for the damage caused to like the nearby building it, it's it's a bit <laughs> it's like you think remember that ep- the like Khan's intro episode that we really liked where he was like yo if soul society learns that i'm alive they're gonna fucking kill me they're gonna like melt me down yeah and then here he's just like yo what up fellow souls how's it hanging <laughs> what's what's going on over here and then the souls look at him and they're like a talking doll this must be a monster because you know yeah. They have been attacked by monsters, they know what hollows are, and there's a thing that's clearly not human talking to them. My favorite thing here is that he, like, openly tells them he's a mod soul, and they're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I get it, you know, like, most people in the Rukongai won't know what a mod soul is, because it's just the thing that people who go to a... Like, the only Shinigami who use it are the ones who go out on earth right so it's like okay it, it makes sense that they don't know what the fuck it is but it's weird that he just shows up and either expects them to know or like doesn't know that they don't know and then tells them right yeah i don't yeah. know what his deal is <laughs> actually you know what never mind great scene fantastic scene it's a it's just an excuse to get some con slapstick and it's not about perverted jokes i you take know- it all back thank you let's keep going like this yeah, like I I was fine with this scene. It was just weird. Um but you're right. I am very happy to have like cone content that isn't just him talking about boobs. So, you know, moving on. Uh we cut back to Kukaku who has a foot on Ganju's head and she's like berating him for focusing on his part-time job at the convenience store with his husband. When he was, like, supposed to be helping Yoroichi and the others. And I just, like, immediately upon seeing the scene, like, flashback to the time that Renji and Ganji were, like, beating the shit out of Ichigo in the training area. And then Ganji's like, wait, I gotta go. The convenience store is busy. And I'm like, ah, yeah, he sure was supposed to be doing that, huh? (laughs) Like, he did help them once during the the water bout like thing and he was super helpful that time but he did spend the rest of the arc just like hanging out of the convenience store <laughs> but hey if he wasn't there to pick up the slack hanataro wouldn't have been available to go uh heal the kids right you know 
I think Ganju is more helpful than we give him credit for. <laughs> Live-in partners do a lot of work so that when the the single job haver is going out and performing work, like being a home body is just as much of a full-time job. And that's what Ganju is saying here. When your home is a convenience store that you also work at. <laughs> yeah, in this case, he was go- <laughs> he was working the job so that Hanataro could go work the other job. But you know. <laughs> Analogies work. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, basically, Ichigo accidentally picks a fight with Kukaku, but things calm down soon enough as they inform Kukaku of the situation. Yoroichi basically asks if the group can stay with her while they hunt the bounce down. Uh, stay with her, meaning stay with Kukaku. And Kukaku asks Koganehiko and Shiroganehiko how they're doing on food. They give the thumbs up, and Kukaku agrees as she further berates Ganju. I like that she doesn't just, like, say yes. She's like, hey, buddies, do, like, are we good for food and supplies if we let eight people stay here? They're like, yeah, sure, f- fucking whatever. And she's like, all right, perfect. We're good. <laughs> they're like, we'll pour our entire soul and being into this food. And she's like, all right, cool. Yeah, you can stay. <laughs> Honestly, they pro- they probably just make the food with magic anyway. So because, yeah, actually, <laughs> souls don't eat unless they use magic. So they probably make the, soul- the food with magic anyway. That makes sense. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Kakaku asks how they plan to find the bounce. And then the mod souls come out and they're like, hey. We're mod souls. We can track bounce. We were made by it, like, you know, we were set up by Urahara. And she's just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess that explains that in case everybody forgot what the mod souls are here to do. And then Yoruichi asks everybody to be on the lookout for information surrounding somebody named Ran Tao, who was supposed to, uh, who was supposedly the lead researcher who created the bounce. He's likely still alive and in the Rukon guy. Weird way for this information to very first drop. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, oh yeah, no, remember Run Tao? <laughs> the, <laughs> the guy who was in charge of the of the experiment that caused the bounce? A, a thousand Remember how he was exiled a thousand years ago, but there are rumors he's still alive? It's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's just like what gets me about this is, like, very clearly early in season four, Yoruichi had no idea, like, what exactly we were going up against. Like, she was just, like, as in the dark as everybody else. She just knew they were Bounce, and that's about it. And, like, she was helping Soul Society, like, investigate. And now she's just like, hey, remember Ron Tao, creator of the Bounce? The lead researcher of the Bounce Project or whatever? Yeah, well, it's like a mimetic virus, you know, when one person learns it and it spreads out into the consciousness of other people. <laughs> Although, like, logically, it's pr- we know that she's been in constant contact with Soifan, so once Soul Society, like, actually got the files working and figured out what the fuck was going on, Soifan probably just told her. But it is still, it is a little weird for her to, like, just bring it up and we're just like, Ron who now? <laughs> Ron Tao, lead researcher of... The project that created the bounce. He, so yeah, he's likely apparently still alive. I never knew he was supposed to be dead or not, but I guess it's good they're clarifying. And he's somewhere in like the depths of the Rukon guy, supposedly. Kukaku says it's time for dinner, 
And, like, everybody leaves with Orihime, Chad, and Uryu thanking her for her hospitality. But she does, like, stop Yodorichi, and she, like, asks if she has anything else to tell her. And, like, Yodorichi kind of tries to, like, get out of it. And she's like, hey, stop playing dumb. I know it's not exactly convenient for you to stay here when you could be staying in the Serete. Um, and Yodorichi's like, well, yeah, except there's, like, a traitor for the Soul Reapers, and he can turn invisible, and he's broken into the Serote, and stole info, and it was definitely Maki Ichinose, you know, that one Soul Reaper we know who is bad right now. <laughs> and she, like, explains that he, like, supposedly, probably, manipulated the data that Mayuri would find, so that he would become interested in Bounce, and therefore would help Uryu get his powers back, and therefore the Bounce would be able to move to Soul Society because their Quincy would be back. Yeah, well, she's just, you know, connecting the dots. She's like, okay, Uryu showed up with an, with the, like, weird-ass Quincy gear. Who who gave him that? You know what? Probably fucking Mayuri. <laughs> it's really funny that, like, she calls out Mayuri. It's just the fact that they're, like, they're trying to explain like, Mayuri giving Uryu his stuff back as something that the Bounce, like, were so smart to have thought of that deeply. To be like, ah, oh, yes, we're gonna go trick the lead R&D guy. We're gonna go trick him into becoming interested in us because we know for sure that his response to that is to, gonna be to give Uryu his powers back. Which means we'll be able to get to Soul Society. It just all seems very circumstantial. In fairness, it's less tricking and it's more, hey, we're a very interesting research project. You sure would want us to go over in Soul Society and research us more, wouldn't you? And then Mayuri goes, why, yes, I would, actually. And then both <laughs> sides go, glad we're in agreement. Whoever kills the other first is, is the winner. Fucking Mayuri. So, I, you know... I guess we can shift the blame from Uryu to Mayuri. I yeah. guess. Uryu's just a fucking idiot. Mayuri's the one who's like, <laughs> absolutely, I will concoct a hair stra- a hair braid scheme to bring the to make that to convince that kid that he should go into fighting Soul Society. That's why Nemo was like, man, sure is a shame that even with this tool, you can't fight them here because it's so weak. But imagine how strong it would be in Soul Society. God. <laughs> it's uh it's so much alongside like this explanation of what probably happened to get them here uh Yoroichi is also like you know it would actually be painful to enter Seirete again after all this time just because it's been so many years since I was like a captain here and Kukaku is just like you know I bet that's the real reason and then she just, like, agrees to help out. Uh, we cut to daytime as the squad decides to immediately split up, and Rukia tells them to inform the rest of the group if they find the bounce with, like, just a small release of spiritual energy. Rukia says she has to go to her own squad and tells Ichigo not to be too reckless. And then everybody sort of parts way and get, parts ways and goes, I'm gonna find them first. And then the hunt begins with, like, a short montage. This is my nitpick with this episode. Like, in particular, it's just, like, I really don't like that they 
you know, get back to Soul Society and their immediate responses to split up, because it does just make me feel like Orihime, Chad, and Uduyu probably aren't going to get the action they deserve. Yeah, well, Uduyu has to get some action, right? Like, yeah. there's, there's no way he doesn't get at least a fight. Oh god, I just... What if it's like a weird nightmare scenario where Uduyu's fight gets interrupted by, by Yuri? Oh, no. I don't want that. Sam. <laughs> what if that's what happens? I don't want this to happen, but what if that's what happens? Oh, Sam. No. no. Keep it off the pod. That's gross. Stop. <laughs> we can't do that one. I don't want that. I really hope that's not what happens here. God. <laughs> um, after they all, like, part ways, uh, Rukia is the first to encounter about in the Rukon district, as her and Lirin run into Yoshi, and she just, like, is like, oh, it's you again, how ironic, and then she takes a battle stance, and the episode ends. <laughs> I like that it's Rukia, because Rukia's like, I wasn't fucking looking for- god damn it, like- <laughs> I was just trying to get home to my bros. <laughs> she, I just wanted to find my squad again, and here, god damn it, fucking bounce, shit. Overall, like it's an okay episode. Like I think it's kind of a weak start to the season, to be honest. Yeah, this episode wasn't great. Like it was fine. It was a good. It was mostly a vehicle to be like, hey. Here's, like, a bit of the information that's happening, or at least, like, it's not like it's explaining the plot, but it is, like, setting up a bunch of stuff where it's like, okay, we know this is the first episode of the season, so if you've been, if you came in and you didn't watch the other stuff, you don't actually need to know what the fuck is going on, but here's what you need to know to understand the next couple of episodes. It's, like, weird with the Rontau stuff, because it does kind of treat that as if it's something we're supposed to already know. Like, we're supposed to already be aware of. It's like, hey, just in case you didn't realize, Rontau is still alive. And I'm like, who the fuck is Rontau? You can't just drop that. Yeah. And then we also have the, uh, we have the post credit scene where it's like, Renji gets back to Urahara's shop, and Hanataro's- he asks Hanataro, like, how the kid that he saved is doing, and he's like, oh, also, everyone else went back to Soul Society already. And Hanataro's like, oh, it's it's so kind of you to, like, come back all this way before going back to Soul Society just to check on the kid, but Renji is, like, sweeping and just cleaning up, and he's like, oh, well, actually, it's because- because I stayed here as a freeloader, I have to clean it up before I leave. God. It's a, it's a pretty good bit. Like, I, I thought this one was funny. I, I was into it. Yeah, it was pretty good. Shall we cut to break, Sam? Let's cut to break. So let's get right back into it with episode 93. The Bount Assault, the Gote 13 of Destructive Earthquake. <laughs> still still trying to puzzle that one out, honestly. Like, I've watched the episode, and yet, the Bount Assault, sure, but the second half... <laughs> the Gote 13's barely in this episode. Rookie is part of the Gote 13. I mean, yeah, but... <sighs> She's explicitly trying to get back to her team. 
But does she do an earthquake? Well, let's just uh, let's just get into it. And we'll see. <laughs> the episode begins with an immediate attack and dodge sequence that I really liked between Rukia and Yoshi. Like Rukia, she she does like a jumping dodge roll, and Yoshi just like she she just does a bunch of other attacks. It's just this really good like motion, honestly. Yeah. Like, the animation here was pretty good. I was also just, like, I really like the way Yoshi moves in general. Like, I think her fighting style is really cool. Yeah, like, she's obviously doing more, um, like, she's she's doing more, uh, like, kung fu and tai chi inspired moves rather than, uh, like, more Japanese styles. But it's just, like, okay, so we just have, like, a, a straight-on, like, martial artist along with these magic swordsmen. That's fucking kick-ass. Yoshi mentions, like, you don't even have a sword. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What's up? Uh, because, lest we forget, Rukia's soul is incredibly hurt, and she can't properly fight. She can't even manifest her sword. It's really funny that they're just, like, they're really, really wanting us to not think about the fact that we haven't seen Rukia's sword yet. Uh, Lilin arrives and hides immediately, as do all the bystanders. And Yoshi, she's just like, yo, you've, you've been, like, real beat up by by Mabashi. And Rukia's response is like, fuck you, I'm taking this random sword out of the wall and I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the bounce is way more powerful than before, but don't worry about it. She found a wall sword. I, I swear to God, I, like, blinked or something when I watched this episode, because, like, one second they were talking about how Rukia didn't have a sword, and then she just had a sword, and I'm like, where did she get that? What happened? Well, it's- because whenever we see Rukungai, it's always got, like, a bunch of swords, like, sticking out of walls and shit, because it's like, okay, people are constantly fighting around here, and then they stab shit into the walls and then leave them there, and it's literally- she turns to her right, there's a sword sticking out of the wall, yeah. she grabs it and pulls it out. <laughs> it's pretty good. And Lil- Lilin's like, what the fuck is she going to do with this? Like, it's- <laughs> that sword is garbage. What the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> and at first, Rukia just doesn't do anything. There's just like a standoff between the two. And then Yoshi's like, well, this is boring. So she goes on the attack, and it's just like, it's not that the animation is, like, super flashy or impressive. It's actually kind of slow. But it's yeah. just a really good flow. Because, like, she attacks and that gets blocked. But now it's a distraction with the fan. And then it's a different attack. And then it's a kick. And then it's another sword attack. And then she throws the sword. And it's just... It's a really fun choreography that we don't get a ton of in Bleach, like, in particular. Yeah. Like, I also really like the part where uh, the screen kind of, like the background becomes kind of like black and white during this fight. Uh, I think that part was really cool. Um, Like the world kind of like starts warping, but overall just like, I really liked watching this fight. Yeah. And it's like, so as uh, Yoshi and and her doll are like, Oh, we're just going to play around with you because obviously you can't hurt us. The bit that Sina just mentioned uh, happens because Lilin comes out of hiding and she's like, She's using her illusions to put Yoshi off balance and, and, like, make it seem like the world's all in black and white and the ground is moving. And she's like, Rukia, take the shot! <laughs> so she's like, all right. She charges her lightning bolt spell, gets a, bi- gets a real big hit in. Yoshi, like, falls to the ground. But 
All she has to do is slurp up the reishi from the surrounding buildings, and she's good as new. She she even, like, gives out a roar, because she's like, oh, fuck, I'm real strong now. <laughs> Rukia tries to run, but Yoshi's already on the attack. She even catches, she catches her arm in, like, a, a pretty serious hit, which, like, in the next scene when Rukia's running, like, her that arm is limp. Like, she can't even move it properly. And then Yoshi keeps attacking, she disarms Rukia, kicks her through a building, she follows her in, and then she's, like, looking around in the dark, can't find Rukia. And then she finds her, and she's like, oh, she's trying to run away. So she throws her sword, goes right through her, because it was an illusion all along. Unfortunately, that means Yoshi turns to Lilin, and she's like, oh, you're the one doing the illusions. Time to fucking kill you. I do really like that, like, Lirin is an active participant in this fight. Like, I do... First of all... Makes me really happy to see Rukia fighting, even if she's not winning, like, at this point. Like, it, it, it's still, like, she has been putting up a fight, and it has been, you know, a lot more than we've gotten in the past. Uh, it's just really nice to see her and Liren working together. I really like this. This whole episode is basically, remember in season one... When Rukia didn't have any powers or almost no powers, and yet she was still doing, like, some kick-ass martial arts moves on Hollows, like, maybe once or twice an episode. And we were like, damn, it would be really cool if we saw her do more of this. Well, yeah. this entire episode is more of this. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm really, really glad that we're getting this episode. I am too. Like, it was, it was really, really nice to see. So to save Lirin, uh, Rukia like comes out of hiding. She she wraps a tarp around Yoshi's head and blasts her in the head with more lightning. Uh, but you know, she knocks her down again, and then she just absorbs more souls and gets back up. Over in Serete, all the captains are gathered again to share the info that Byakuya got from his family's archives. They talk about the human experiments that occurred previously by Rantau, who they now refer to as. The man who earned the nickname, The Evil Researcher. <laughs> I'm really upset as a Guilty Gear fan that they didn't just start saying, you know, that man. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> but I just mostly refuse to believe that Mayuri isn't sitting in the background going, well, maybe the bitch shouldn't have been caught then. <laughs> like, there is no chance in hell that Mayuri isn't like looking at Runtao and being like, I learned everything from reading his books. <laughs> Mayuri just has, like, a shelf at home just filled with novels and, like, scientific textbooks written by Rontau. And then there's just, like, a little bit where Kyoraku is like, Damn, sounds like the government wanted to hide this. Like, it was inconvenient and they wanted to change history and not let the public know. <laughs> <laughs> Ukitake is like, you're good. Fucking sit down. <laughs> You're gonna get yourself hurt. And then Yamamoto's just like, he's just like, hey, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. This is just the result of what we've created. Don't worry. We have to take care of it. It's fine. Yeah, Yamamoto, Yamamoto doesn't give a shit. He just keeps going. He's like, also, like Ichigo's group is around, but uh, we should go clean up our goddamn mess. Like, get out there, and get out there and show some spirit, team. <laughs> It's so then, fucking funny! <laughs> and, like, right then, a messenger arrives, and they're like, Everyone, please, we found Rukia's spirit pre- like, Rukia of Squad 13, we found her spirit pressure. She's fighting something. 
And we just get, like, a quick face shot of, like, Byakuya and Ukitake frowning. And then it cuts to, like, the exterior gates of Sereite, and the entirety of Squad 13 are running out, like, Fucking wait for us, Rukio! We're gonna save you! (laughs) (laughs) I love each and every one of them. I'm glad that they're like, Great, Rukia's back. Someone's attacking Rukia. Not on my watch. (laughs) It's really good that... We have the contrast of from season two and three to season five from oh, Rukia has to be executed. We have to protect her at all costs to oh, Rukia's in trouble. We have to protect her at all costs. <laughs> yeah, we get a quick scene of like Orihime just running up to Ichigo and she's like, I'm pretty sure Rukia's fighting somewhere. Like we should we should go. <laughs> and then it cuts back to Rukia like. She's, like, mostly running away since her spells are basically not dealing any damage at this point. But she's, like, she blocks Yoshi's sword strike with a hand. Like, she manages to, like, just block the sword height. The Yoshi attacks her with a sword and she, like, hits her hand to, like, send it off course. So she just, like, blocks the hit. And then she does a bunch of, like, jumps and kicks and she's just, like, getting the upper hand on Yoshi in hand-to-hand combat. And it's like, holy shit. Is Rukia just the best hand-to-hand fighter in this show? God, I wish. She gets caught by uh she gets caught by Yoshi's like weapons uh chain. And then she just like does a sick flip over like overhead, uses the spe- the binding spell from episode one to just like give her a couple of seconds and that lets her get free. And then she takes the time to like do another lightning bolt, but Yoshi's doll like covers her in armor and blocks it so she has to run away and bandage her wounds and it's like again the animation isn't like super it's not like super good it's kind of slow there's nothing flashy but it's easily one of the coolest fights we've had in the series just on like how much cool shit and how like much attention to like the little details of like where Ruki is putting her like arms and legs while doing the hand-to-hand fighting is I think what makes it, like, special to me uh, as a fight is, whereas, like, a lot of Bleach fights what we get are, you know, big, very, very flashy, like, bursts of energy happening, and this is very much not that. Like, it has, like, kind of a sense of physicality to it, where it does feel like these two are fighting, even if the animation's not quite up to par. Yeah, and the other thing is we don't get moments of, like, Dragon Ball Z-esque oh, Renji's jumping and doing, like, 75 slashes, and Ichigo's, like, not moving his sword, but he's blocking all of them kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's, no, every single hit and strike and block and parry, like, every single little bit is animated, and it looks great. Yeah, it's very, very good. I also just really, really liked seeing her get to use Bakudo number one. Like, that made me very happy as somebody who obviously has watched since episode one. Yeah, it's like, oh, right, she does do that. It was really cool. So Rukia, like, she hides in a barn, and Lirin shows up with a sword. <laughs> like, she's, like, dragging a sword, which, again, Lilin is, like, in her puppet body, so the sword is, like, four times her size, and she's like, I brought you a sword! <laughs> I found it on the ground! <laughs> uh, but then she asks Rukia why she's not using healing magic, and she wonders, oh, shit, are you, like, completely out of energy? Oh, uh, and, you know, they they wonder, they kind of wait for Yoshi to get close to the barn they're in, 
And then they realize that there is, a, there is like, kids in the room with them. And they're like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. This is not good. Uh, and then just as they're, like, standing guard in front of the kids and waiting and, like, staring at the one door, the Bount bursts through the wall like a fucking horror movie monster behind them and takes the kid hostage. This, like, scene was really tense and really terrifying. Like, the sword pierces through, and it's it goes to slice at Rukia, and she has to, like, do a double-armed, like, sword block with the sword that Liren gave her. And then Yoshi's other arm just reaches in and grabs the kid, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Oh my god. <laughs> this is so intense! Like, Yoshi is a very, very real threat, and the episode makes sure you know that, which I appreciate. Yeah, at this point, though, Yoshi is like, alright, fun and game's over, I have a kid, I'm gonna kill it unless you drop her blade and then just let me start slicing and stabbing at you. Um, Liren tries to help, but is immediately kicked away, and she, like, starts calling for Ichigo because she's about to pass out, and she sees a figure approach and draw their blade. Yoshi kicks Rukia up into the air and jumps up to give the finishing blow, and the figure calls out, Scatter, Senbon Sakura. (laughs) Jits, big bro hero moment, arrives in the nick of time. Uh, he catches Rukia as she falls. The 13th squad arrives. Orihime and Ichigo arrives. They all take care of, like, the various wounded, the kids, Rukia, uh, Lirin. And then Yoshi just like, oh yeah, I'm just fine. I, I'm covered in my armor again, but my role here is done. And she leaps off and several explosions shake the Seirete. And that's where the episode ends. Absolutely incredible episode. I was not expecting this to be so good. It was really, really good. Like, God, I I was... I don't know. After the first episode this week, I was very much expecting, oh, are we just gonna... Are we just doing this now? And I was not expecting, like, there to be such an action-packed episode. Uh, this whole, like, the whole bit where she's in the barn and she's like, you know... Tying herself up with a bandage. Uh, this scene made me really wish back in like season two, we got like a big jailbreak scene from Rukia or something. Like, mm-hmm. I would have really liked to see her doing stuff like that for a bit. Cause like her being kind of on the run and like, you know, tired and worn out, but still fighting, like, it's very cool. I really like seeing Rukia like this. Yeah, like, a lot of, like, the Rukia flashbacks and stuff are, like, oh, she's not a, um, like, she wa- she wasn't a seated member of her squad for a long time. She's not, she's just not strong enough. She's, she's not a vice captain, that kind of stuff. But then they're, like, the Bout Dark is, like, whoa, hold up. Rukia's one of the most kick-ass, she's, like, Ikaku-level, like, as strong as any vice captain. Fuck you. Like, she has no power, and yet she's holding, uh, she's holding her own on a bound in close combat when it's a close combat bound. <laughs> like, yeah, Rukia fucking kicks ass this episode. It's great. And then we cap off a great episode with a great post credit scene where Kyoraku and Nao are drinking with Yumichika, Yachiru, Zaraki, and several nameless squad members of Squad 11. As they marvel at the sight of the full moon, Kyoraku and Zaraki are super chummy, they're refilling each other's drinks, they're mentioning how good a night it is, and then the moon turns around and says, what the fuck, why are all of you laughing at the light reflecting off my head? I fucking hate you guys. And a good laugh is had by everyone involved except Ikaku. (laughs) 
his entire squad and another captain show up to have drinks and laugh at him. It's awful. Poor Ikaku. God. This poor man. Like, I know you respect Zaraki, but maybe you should move to a different squad. Go go be in Iba's squad. I'm sure you guys can have some fun. <laughs> maybe you'll get some cool sunglasses. God. <laughs> I also, I definitely had the same feeling where I was like, watch the first episode, and I was like, oh, fuck. This is just gonna be, like, those little bits of the fight where we saw her, we saw Yoshi fight in the first, in the the previous season, where she didn't do, it was very slow, it was kind of cheap, and it was like, okay, nothing much happening here. Um, and instead, we got, honestly, contender for best episode of the season. <laughs> Already. Yeah, yeah, like, we're, we're. We've got a lot to go, but this is, of the two episodes, the better episode. <laughs> well, that about does it for this episode of It'll Wash Out. You can find our show on Twitter at BleachCast, and you can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore Paws. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ, and I recently started doing some streaming again on Twitch.tv slash Jericho. Go check his streams out. Yeah. I, I stream, like, the way I stream is I stream one game, then don't for, like, six months, and then I'll stream another game. <laughs> you know, that sounds about like my streaming schedule, where I was like, I'm gonna stream all of Assassin's Creed, and I said that on this podcast, and then I streamed, like, three hours of Assassin's Creed, and then I didn't stream for, like, three months. Yeah, that's about what I expected. <laughs> I mean, we got further in Resident Evil, but that was... Me and Nova started Resident Evil, and we still need to finish it, but moving shit's happening. We're, we're moving next month. It's it's all gonna be a thing. We'll, we'll get back to it eventually. Anyway, I hope y'all have a good week. Thanks for listening. Stay cool, chats. How far are we allowed to go to fix something that's broken? Is this a vampire voice? Are you a vampire with a cold?
でもやるときやらなきゃそれじゃ俺についてきなよ信じるも何もやってみなきゃわからないだから信じたいみんなで笑いたいじゃない人生一回勝負したい動き出すなら今しかない負けたくないしな「負けたくないしなきたくないし」